and leadership. Wow. How'd that go? Not See, the laughter was forced and very quiet. Because Car- mm. Carlin, being submissive is, is like just being a doormat, right? Isn't that what it's about? You just let me walk all over you, right? Isn't that what it is? No, that's not what it is. I assume that the church would think that we're trying to live out the principle of headship and submission. So maybe we can talk a little bit about what that is and what it isn't. Awesome. I mean, they've been well taught on this. Who taught last week for you? Pastor Elliot. Who taught the week before that? Gilmore. And you, Gilmore, what were you teaching on? Submission or headship? So you taught oh, on that. The, dude, the professional brutal. didn't take that topic? He gave it to a layman? Really good. Good one, Elliot. So, I, you know, I really think most of the first part of this, we're going to open up for questions. We'll give you plenty of time for Q&A. But we probably should talk about submission because I know I married a really smart, strong female. So what's that like to be a submissive wife and be so smart and so strong? <laughs> what's that like? It's horrible, isn't it? I, I don't think it's horrible. I actually think it's great not to have the buck stop with me. I think it's great to have a partnership. Well, how did you, did you, did you go through a lobotomy or something to get to that point? How can you say that? That's not right. I mean, don't you want to be in charge? There are, there are little pieces of the pie that I can be in charge of because you've let me be in charge of oh, that. Oh, well, there you go. That's going to make people feel really good. What, <laughs> what, what little part did I let you be in charge of? <laughs> I clearly don't let you pick which seat to sit in. Well, that's, that's all right. It doesn't matter. No, but seriously, Carlin, here's a lot of people... <clears throat> And, and, and I assume a lot of people bought into, you know, we're going to do it the way the Bible says. Uh, but we understand the Bible wouldn't say that we should do something in something so important as marriage if it weren't good for everyone. In other words, the common grace of God would be that in any marriage, I don't care if you're a Buddhist or an atheist, is that, is that men are to be the head of the home and wives are to be the, as the Old Testament says, I'm sure Scott, you know, defined these words for you, but to be the, the, the helpmate, to be the azair, to be the, 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 the wife who comes alongside of her husband and, and supports him. Um, how, how does that work? Why is that good? What's that experience like for you? Is that too much? <laughs> That's too much to start with? Submit to me, wife, and answer <laughs> yeah, the question. <laughs> that, that wasn't the first question, but I'll answer it anyway, because I am a submissive <laughs> wife. Uh, you know, I think the great thing about submission, when you're doing it God's way, it's, it is a partnership. You know, it, it, my husband is not a dictator. He doesn't come in and say, this is how things have to be. Um, I actually, we talk about everything pretty much. I mean, even when he's got a big decision to make, we still talk about it first. He doesn't just go, this is what we're doing. We have a discussion. A lot of times I we both do research on whatever the decision is that has to be made. We both talk about how it's what we think and what the other one thinks. And actually, nine times out of ten, in 30 years of marriage, 
we've both come up with what we believe is the same solution. Um, you know, 10% of the time, it's something maybe I didn't want to do, but uh, have ten, been. Uh, 10%? Not even 10%. I was going to say, wow. But I'm thinking in 30 years, because nope. a lot of those decisions are like nothing decisions. But even like, as you, you put know. it, I mean, you know, seriously, when we get together and <clears> deal with an issue, I mean... Rarely do we come to a place where we say we have different opinions on this. No, it's super rare. I mean, I can think of maybe one. So let's two. ratchet back that 10% number, huh? No, but I'm just saying, I'm talking submission all the way to the tiny things, not just the gigantic decisions right. like which house should we buy? Right. But you know, the tiny things like where should which we go to dinner? Which was one we disagreed on, wasn't it? It was, but that's all right. <laughs> that was a big decision. He made the right decision. That we're still paying for every month. Yeah, no, he made the right decision. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's a partnership. We work together. We talk it out. We discuss. We don't just, you know, have autocratic decisions. And when the time comes, when a decision has to be made, the great thing is God, I think, submissive wives have prayed through, worked through, thought through the implications and realized that their husbands ultimately are called by God to this role and that I need to get in line. Um, it's not because... I'm not as smart. It's just the way God set it up. Somebody has to, I mean, when two, when two heads are there, it's not successful, Right. you know? Yeah. There are few decisions we've gotten to where we haven't at least been able to see either one of these is, will work or we agree on it. Right. And we don't want to paint the picture of a perfect marriage because clearly no. we don't have a perfect marriage and we're not perfect people. But I will say that I think most men in the, in the room would agree with me that it's really our desire to please our wives. I mean, I do want to please my wife. And I, I mean, more than any other relationship where I find myself to be a leader, I want to, I'd, I'd like her to be happy with my decisions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I hate to compare marriages. And I don't know how it works in your home, but I would say, gals, you ought to assume that your husband, even in trying to fulfill his role as a leader, really would like to please you in his leadership. And um, I guess that works in other relationships, too. I feel Absolutely. like in, in an office, you know, I, I might be a, a boss in a, in a particular relationship. Uh, and even in that, we come to mutual decisions as, as much as possible. Right. Absolutely. And rarely do we sit there and say, well, we're, we're in a disagreement. But if, if ever we are and we're deadlocked, well, then the leader someone makes the final make decision, the right? Someone has to make the final decision. But even in that, I, I would like our employees or whoever it might be to, to agree. Right. And, and You're working for agreement. Right. You're not working to have conflict. You're working for agreement. Right. And when you work together, both in your roles, most of the time you come to an agreement. Right. And see, this is hard for us to talk about, I suppose, because in some ways, or at least I think that, because you're all doing this. You're all in the trenches yes. having to make decisions together. Um, and, and I hope that that's your goal, that you're going to try mm -hmm. to agree. Um, it's funny, the house, I, I know none of this is what, what I said last night on date night that we'd probably <laughs> talk about, but it's funny because that is one where I felt like this was a big decision. No, it was. Seven years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. And she had an interest in one house and I had an interest in a different house. And we really kind of couldn't find that total agreement on it. And I finally said, I really think we ought to do this. And rarely do I do that where I'm like, we got to do this. And by the way, I should say that, not to clarify my reputation here in front of you guys, but you hear me preach, and mm. you probably have a view of me that is not accurate. That's because true. when I preach, I mean, I'm opening up the Bible, 
I'm letting the Bible use me to preach its message. I'm going to be as authoritative and clear and, and, and definitive as I can be. Um, but unless you know me personally, I mean, you don't know, you know, that's not how I walk around the house or with my kids or, you know, or the office. I mean, I'm not. Very rarely is there ever a decision. And I, you know, because we dated for a long time, I've been with you almost 35 years. Very rarely have you ever been, this is what we're going to do. I know you don't agree, but we're going to do it anyway. Right. I mean, I, maybe I can count on one hand how many times that has happened. Right. When I said 90%, I mean, met like, hey, should we go to Chipotle or Corner Bakery for dinner? Was all in there. Okay, never but, Corner Bakery. Uh, yeah, never Corner Bakery. That's a girl place, That's right? Girl. That's a, Old men, it's all men clapping. Isn't I tell Carlin, if you want girl food, go with your girlfriends exactly. to get your girl food. Panera and Corner Bakery are out. Right. So anyway, I was including all of that in the 90%, by the way, just so you know, the, the 10% of disagreements corner bakery, include bakery, Panera corner bakery. is another one. That's what I said. Corner you guys bakery. can have that yeah. one. Yeah. Well. We don't want it. Anyway, so it's usually, but the, I, I, but the I house. rarely have ever been not in agreement with you. By the time you go through the whole process, you end up being on the same page because you can completely see their point of view or they can see your point of view or you see how this would be better for the kids or that would be better for the kids. By the time you're done talking and praying and sorting through it all, it's not that big a deal. And, and I only bring up the house because I think there's an example where we weren't on the same page. It wasn't a fight or anything, but, um, and you have a better memory than me, so you probably remember a lot more of the details of this. But I mean, I worked hard to woo you to think this was probably the best purchase for us. I don't think you ever fully got there, but at okay. some point I probably said, I mean, I don't know how it felt to you, but I, I really think this is what we need to do. And uh, I didn't use a pulpit or, right. you know, slam my fist down or anything. But I mean, and I guess, I guess the things when a, when a man, I would hope a Christian man decides to say in his own heart, we need to go down path A, even though my wife is not fully on board um, the thing that drives me, wanting to be a good leader and a good steward, is not, I'm going to get what I want, but it's, I, I, want, I fear God and I yeah. want to make the best decision knowing I'll have to answer to Him for which house we chose, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's the kind of thing I think that men in the room should hear from me in, in that, you know, even if it's a vacation or whatever, it's like, I, I really think this would be a better experience for our family. And, and I think ultimately... This is a better management decision. If we can't see eye to eye on it completely, I'm going to try to woo you as best we can. Right. But if we can't find agreement, then I'm going to make a decision that we should do this. Right. But I'm really doing it not just because I want to do something, but because I think this is a better decision. Right. And, and with the house, that was a good example of, you know, um, and I don't remember how, how it came down, but I was like, I, I think we should do this. But it was the right decision. And how bad was that? I mean, did that feel bad for you? Uh, it might, I, again, I can't remember, but at the time, I'm sure it felt a little bit weird. But then, like I said, by the time we get to that point, right. I've been praying for myself. I've been praying for you. I've been thinking about submission and thinking, okay, here's where the rubber meets the road. You know, it's easy to be all ethereal until that decision plops in your lap and you're not in agreement. Um, so I had been working on it and you had been discussing it with me and yeah, it, but, and there is a sense in which the wives have some of these leadership roles too. Right. You have those kind of leadership roles over maybe the day-to-day -day decision of if you're going to take your kids to the park first or make them do their homework first. I'm assuming your husband doesn't micromanage those decisions. So there's a sense in which you have to be a leader 
every day with the little children that are in your home. And you're, call, you're like, okay, I have to make a decision right now. What am I going to do? My constituents may not be ready to submit to me, but I can woo them. I can please them. I can do what I know is right, regardless of what they think of the decision. So that gives us a little bit of compassion for where these guys are, because we're making those kind of decisions. They're minimal, I get it. Theirs is bigger, but we're doing it every day, whether they like it or not. Yeah, and I hope that we as Christians are in the mode all the time of submitting our will to God. Mm -hmm. I mean... And when I love my wife and try to lead my wife or lead my family, I mean, I want those decisions to be because I love them and because I want what's best for them. So really, it's always a decision if there is a dispute in terms of what is best. And that's where I think you've got to get rid of what you want, because mm. that's really not what it's all about. And as I, pr I preach every weekend, I mean, you have to recognize that giving your life to love anyone is to say, I'm going to put your needs before my own, which doesn't mean every desire goes before what I think is best, but I'm clearly not in this to get whatever I want. Um, you know, and, and I think if you can live that way before God, then when you deal with a person, I love God, I want to submit to His will. Um, I love my wife, I want to do all I can to submit to her desires, and, and that's going to govern a lot of what I do in my leadership and sacrifice. Um, and when I feel like, no, I don't think, the, you know, like the house, that's the only one I can think of right now that was a big decision. I, I, do, I just think this is the right thing to do. And uh, I, I'd like you to support me in this. And mm. let's do it. Right. And then it's been a money pit ever since. With that. But it was the Which right Which it has been. But yes, it has. Yeah. But even that, you know, it's like, well, right? You know, then you're like, well. There you go. I mean. How you like your house now, Pastor Mike? Uh, but I don't, you know, we don't, I, you know, you never say, I told you so. That's a really bad thing to say if you're the wife. You don't didn't, ever say that again. You didn't ever think that, did you? No, I was okay. going to say, but I don't even, I was, that's what I was about to say. You never say that, but I don't even think that. See, that's, to me, I realize that's really what submission is. You're not thinking in the back of your head, I told you so, because it becomes your decision too. Submitting isn't about me just forcing myself to do what my husband says. It's about me embracing the decision he's made, not sitting aloof and criticizing it and saying, well, let's just see what happens now. That's not submission. So um, you get in the point of agreement or you make your heart agree because you're going to obey God. This is the role God gave me. So in those, like I said, I could count on one hand, I can't even think of, but two uh, times when it was really something I didn't want to do and it was big. Then I say, well, I have to obey God. I'm at a crossroads. Am I going to disobey him and bring dishonor? Am I going to bring maybe his discipline on me? I'm going to stand one day before him and he's going to go, what about April 2nd, 2004, was that really that important that you would do that? I mean, I'm going to stand before God one day. I have to obey God. It's not just about submitting to Him. I have to obey God. That's why I submit and His decisions become mine. So, uh, you know. Yeah, and so in that respect, we're all under authority, some authority somewhere, and we're all leaders. So we have both sides of this going in our lives all the time. And matter of fact, leadership is the way I put it. Now maybe I'll mention a couple of things that we talked about at date night last night. Okay, good. Um, 
We don't usually work at date night, by the way, but... But we did last night. We, we had to. So. Um, but we did talk about the fact that when I taught on this at marriage retreat, for instance, this last year, which I know some people were at that are in this room, I talked a lot about seeking your husband's leadership. I talked mm -hmm. about supporting it, cheering it on, or I forget how I worded it all, but... Um, yeah. How do you seeking, do those? Usurping. Which one do you want to talk about? Well, whatever you think is Following. best. Following. Cheering them on. Seeking. Let's talk about seeking. that. Seeking. Because I do think that helps when you have this role that you know before God that you need to fulfill and, and want to fulfill for God's sake, how do you seek the leadership of your husband? I think you seek it in a hundred different little ways. I mean, I seek his leadership, unfortunately for him sometimes, all day long. I'm texting about this or that or this decision or the kid's teacher said this or, you know, they talked they glared at me. You know, my kid glared at me and said this. What do I do now? Um, I'm continually, it's not just about ministry. Wow, how should I word this point in this outline, which does happen too. But I'm asking for his advice and opinion on a hundred different things every day because it's a partnership. It's not just he's the leader and I'm the submitter. It's a partnership. I want his input. And uh, so it's a continual conversation I'm having with you. But there are times when we have to ask for wisdom um, for something more important. And then, you know, maybe the timing is appropriate. You know, is it the right time to ask for their input? Is it the right place to ask for their input? You know, pillow talk would not be my first um, suggestion for you to discuss things that have great weightiness in your marriage because you're both exhausted and it just stresses you out. And you know, picking the right time, picking the right place, picking the right situation when you have big things to say. But because we're continually having that conversation, when I have a big thing to ask you about, usually I've prayed about it or I've done some research on the situation and I'm coming to you to say, I need your input. Here's some research I've done. Here's some options I've thought about. Here's what I've come up with. What do you think? And, um, you know, that's a continual conversation. I think every wife should be having with her husband. I mean, from vacations to, you know, what sports and activities your kids should be doing to what kind of education should you be giving them to how should you be doing some spiritual training in the home, you, you, you should always be conversing about those kinds of things. So I'm think, always seeking it. And I think men blow it when their wives start to do that and they just go, whatever you want, whatever you think, whatever yeah. you want. Because I do know that what you've learned to really want from me is feedback. Yeah, absolutely. You want my opinion. And, you know, when we work at our jobs, guys, and we have to weigh in in meetings and have these committees or whatever we're doing, we, we, they expect us to weigh in. And then we go home and we go, whatever, whatever, whatever. I, I just think no wonder she doesn't respect your leadership because you don't provide any leadership at home. So when she asks me, uh, you know, I, I think I need to stop and think as though it were some task I've got to do at work or whatever and say, yeah, let me think, okay, here's my input on that and, and here's my thought on it. But submission, and I think about even what you sent me today on email about she planned out, I think we ought to do this on Monday as a family and do you want to do it? And I, I got the tickets here and I can hit purchase and do you want, you know, that was just, you, you, you led, you, you had an idea, but you recognized I'm not going to click purchase unless I talk to my husband and find out, should we do this? Our rules are, just because of the hats we wear in our marriages, I could make the plan he and, could click purchase. and hit purchase and say, I've planned this for our off day on Monday, but 
she is going to always say, should we? I don't usually do that because I would like her to be on board with whatever our plan is. In other words, let's say you guys come up to us on a Sunday and you ask, how about you, can you guys go to lunch with us? If you ask me, I won't be able to answer you. That is just our marriage rule. If you ask him, then usually he'll come and talk to me, which is fine. We make a mutual decision. But I'm not going to go, yes, let's go. I can't make plans without checking with him first. And if he chooses to come to me, which most of the time he does, but occasionally he'll go, no, we need to meet with these people. That's just, I know we had something else, but we just need to, you know. Normally that doesn't happen. Elliot's need our help now. (laughs) We can't put this one off. But, uh, yeah, that's the way it works in our family, and, uh, of course, I'm going to check in with you. Now, granted, you know, some of, some of the decisions in the daily life, he has delegated to me. He doesn't want me texting him, should we go to the park first, or should we do math, or should we make dinner? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to. I mean, that's exhausting, right? So, you know, if you're exhausting, uh, your husband's going to get tired of you asking for his leadership. So, I mean, restrain yourself. Some of you who just feel like you have to have his approval for everything. Okay. Maybe a few times a day you might text. Don't make it 30. Uh, They got jobs to do. They have things to do where they, you can't be interrupting them. But you know, when, when, when your husband is, is saying to you, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want, I know we're quick to blame the husband But you know what? I blame the wife for that. Because you know what that shows me? That shows me that you don't listen to him and you don't value his opinion. If he doesn't think it's valuable to share it with you, if he's always saying forget it, it's because you haven't said, oh, thanks for that input. Thank you for, you know, the way you lead our home. Thank you for that, for taking care of us so we have car insurance. Thank you for working for us every day. Thank you for taking time to pray with our son tonight. You know, those are ways that you can encourage him in the leadership, and it's not manipulative. It's real. I do thank him for doing those kinds of things in, in our family's life. I do thank him for making the vacation plans. I don't make the vacation plans. He does. We talk about it, but he makes them. And I say, thank you so much for planning that. Thank you so much for making that decision. That will make him not say to you, oh, whatever you want. Because you are showing him what he has to say to you is valuable, and you want it, and you are encouraging it. And you can be lazy as a man and not do any of that, and that's where I think we fail in not being willing to take leadership in our home. Hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's more work to be a leader at home, but I think that's, that's the calling we have is to plan and to work and to worry about saving and worry about money and worry about you know, all of those things. And I think if you're so conditioned by the world, at first that may be hard as a wife to say, I'm going to trust in my husband's leadership and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage her, as you just put it, I'm going to cheer that on. Because when my wife cheers that on, it makes me want to be a better leader for my Absolutely. family. And so then I'm going to take more interest in the things that are going on at home and I'm going to want to provide leadership in practical ways. So, right. it, you know, there is a lot of uh, synergism in this in that you're cheering it on. It it makes me want to step up. And the more I step up, you know, I I think the more you appreciate it. Because I do think that's the way God has designed us. My wife does better. She'll flourish when she feels secure and cared for. And to be cared for is to have a husband that's involved and attentive and and, and taking uh, a leadership role in things at home. 
Um, and I think it goes both ways. You know, imagine gals, if you felt like your husband was hesitant that you could make a good decision for your kids or for your own health or for the home. Imagine that you overheard him telling his buddies that you weren't a good housekeeper or you weren't this or you weren't that. When we don't ask them for their leadership, that's exactly what we're communicating to them. We're communicating, I don't trust you and I don't think you do a very good job. I can do it better. Right. And we, if it was reversed, ladies, we'd be in a little puddle on the ground mm -hmm. thinking that our husband doesn't trust us. He can't even leave the kids with us. He can't whatever. We would be hurt by that. But yet we do it so quickly and easily by just blowing them off. Like they don't need to invo be involved in this. Or even if they say something, I know how to do it better anyway. See, and raise your daughters to, to, mm. to think about the choice of their spouse. They're picking a leader for their home. Yep. They have to choose that wisely. And, and if you sit there and go, well, he, he doesn't, you know, I don't cheer it on and I don't ask for it because he's no good at it and I always know better. Well, I'm thinking, why'd you choose this guy? Absolutely. You know, you're kind of a loser for picking at a some loser, point, right? At some point, you believed in him. If you didn't believe in him, then what, what were you thinking? Right. And, and even, and I throw in something else in, that's why we want our kids to stay pure sexually mm. before they get married. Yes. Because when your kids are having sex, or you can look back at your own life, if you failed in that regard and you had sex before you got married, that clouds your judgment about who you're picking to be married to. Mm. You're going to sit there and you're going to choose a guy maybe that you shouldn't choose because you are now glued through the bonding, the Bible says, of premarital sex. So that's why it's so important our kids, you know, don't do that so that they can make wise decisions about picking a leader and, and a husband, a future husband, picking a wife that's going to be a great teammate for him in life. So, right. I mean, that's kind of off the track, but... Right. All right, we said we go to 7.15 at 7.14 and 58 seconds probably. So yes. let's do some Q&A. There are microphones around, and I know you do the high-tech way, but I love to see you ask the question and yourself. So stand up and get a mic in your hand, and we'll do our best to talk about marriage or wherever these questions go, hopefully about marriage. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I said a quick question about... Um, Education, what, what uh, between homeschooling and private school and public school, what were the major sort of reasons why, why you chose the path for your children? Right. That's essentially the question. Homeschool, public school, private school are all viable options for Christians to choose to train their children. Uh, they are all legitimately employed by Christians in our church. We are for all of them. Um, we think there can be decisions made that are made on false assumptions. Um, you can have a fear of a lot of things that leads you to say, I'm not letting them out of my sight, therefore I'm going to homeschool. You can send them to Christian school with a, a wrong assumption that, oh, everyone's godly there, hmm. loves God. There'll be no sin on that campus, so that's where I want my kid. Um, you know, you can have a false impression of public school that, that you know, it, it's, Satan, Satan is in every classroom teaching every, every topic. You can also pick Christian school because you think, if I let them raise my kids, then I don't have to. Mm. You wouldn't say that. But in my mind, I'm parenting my children. I've been parenting my children from the time they were born. Um, 
I delegate parts of the education of my kids, even if I'm a homeschooler and pick curriculum, unless I'm writing all the curriculum myself, then I'm delegating some of the instruction of my children. And what I'm doing, and, and we've homeschooled, uh, and we've also public schooled, um, and I've spoken a lot in Christian schools, so I feel like I know a little bit about all three, and obviously pastor a church where I got people doing all of those. But, um, you know, for us, uh, there was reasons I think it was good for us to homeschool early on, um, but as they got older, to put them in, in public school was helpful because we're training our kids, we read to our kids, we work through Christian books with our children, we discuss what they learn in class at night. Um, we understand they're going to live in a non-Christian world, and at some point we wanted uh, um, you know, to, to parent our kids. And if it doesn't work, and we, we're going to parent our kids with them interacting with things that we're going to disciple them through. Yeah. Um, you know, hmm. and, and, and even with our daughter, you know, if that changes for whatever reasons, there's many reasons we might homeschool her change her school or leave her in, in, in the public school, but we're in tune with our children. You have to actively parent your children. Um, and, and then you recognize at some point you're delegating part of that, right. that education in one way or another. And, and, and I, frankly, I don't like a lot of things that are done in curriculums that I read. I read books endlessly, but I think I, I wouldn't want to hand my kid over to the, that author, you know? Mm. Uh, it'd be more confusing for that guy writing in the name of Christ uh, and, and confusing my kid because he's wearing the Jesus jersey and dad wears the Jesus jersey. So I guess they're saying the same things come from the same perspective, but in reality, they're not. So I don't know. I, I want to sit down to my kids, square them up, look them in the eye and look them in the eyes and train them. Uh, and then they're going to go deal with all kinds of people in this world. And, and we're going to keep interacting uh, in, through other childhood. I don't know, what would you say to that? I was just going to say, and you guys need, this is a perfect area that you need to be in agreement with one another. I mean, if, the, if one spouse is saying one thing and one spouse is saying another, you guys have to figure out how you're going to agree in the end. Uh, because you shouldn't be doing certain, especially something like a homeschooling thing, if your spouse is not for it. Because it's super time intensive. It, it's super, and I know because I did it. It's super time intensive. And, you know, if your husband isn't for it, you shouldn't be doing it. Right. We're thumbs up on people homeschooling. We're thumbs up on people sending their kids to Christian school. Yep. We're thumbs up sending to public school. It's just that we want to make sure parents are always parenting their children. Right. Always parent your children. Train them, parent them, pray with them, discuss worldview with them. Right. All the time. And no matter which one you choose, you are the, the parent's biggest teacher. Yeah. I mean, you are not going to not teach because they're in a different schooling situation. You're going to teach them every day. Yeah. You should be teaching them every day. Right. So, and of course, no matter which choice you make, and I say these to the moms in here, no matter what choice you make, you are required to use your gifts in the body of Christ in this place. We just learned it this week in Women's yeah. Bible Study. Even when they grow you cannot say, well, I'm homeschooling, so therefore I don't have yeah. to do anything in the church, for instance. You have to do both. If you're going to do it, you got to do both. I just so. think about constantly training your children to where even when they're under good leadership, they'll still text you, as I got a text <laughs> last week, you know, have you taught us the Calvinistic view of the hypostatic union or the Lutheran view of the hypostatic union? It wasn't Stephanie. No, it wasn't Stephanie. <laughs> but I mean, to know that our kids are still going to look at everything they learn and say, well, wait a minute, I had a foundation at home. What 
What was it that you taught me about this? That, that shows, I think, that you were actively instilling on in your kids a mm -hmm. biblical perspective, yeah. even down to the esoteric levels of theology in the case of our boys. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Question over here? No? Well, one question is going on wherever this question is. Make sure someone flags down the other mic. So there's got to be questions here, no? One over here. So Mike's going over here. We'll set up the next oh, one over here. She's yeah. ready. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So we had a question come up at Women's Bible Study, and someone asked if there's a husband who doesn't want their wife to serve at church, he allows her to attend, but he yeah. says, no, I want you here and home with me. Yeah. How would you counsel her? Well, there are ways to serve that would probably be something the husband would not see as serving. He's got a view of serving in his mind. As a Christian, you need to serve. Okay, You can serve without getting out of the house, you don't even have to get out of your pajamas. You can be part of our prayer team, you know, and, and be on our care team and be a part of that. Yeah. I get that list every day. Carlin gets that list. Mm -hmm. We pray, and I feel guilty because I, I can't even right. pray through all the stuff right. in there. So if I can have a gal serving the Lord by interceding on behalf of the needs of our church, that's great service, and I'll bet the husband wouldn't know. She just, he just sees her in front of her computer reading an email every right. morning. He doesn't know what it is. Right. Say, I'm just praying, you know. Yeah. But you'd be serving in the church and serving in a key way. So be shrewd. Okay? you got a, a husband that's telling you you can't serve. Well, you know you have to serve. Absolutely. That's a biblical thing. You have to serve. How you serve, though, to, to check that box. I hate to make it so mundane as that. But to check that box before God, be shrewd and, and make it something where it's a, your husband isn't going to see it as a big inconvenience. And you can choose. I mean, even if you do more than that, you can talk to him. I mean, he's a person. And as long as it doesn't impede on what you're doing at home, it doesn't impede on your time with him, you're still keeping the house the way he wants, you're still providing a home-cooked meal when he comes in the door. I mean, guys who say that a lot of times it's because their wives were doing, at some point in time in history, were doing too much that was taking away from their life with the kids or with him. And there's so much serving you could do with his permission even that would not take away in any way from what you're supposed to be doing. See, for this him. is super insightful what she's saying because if a wife is really being a good wife to her husband, oh. she could say, I want to go climb Mount Everest. He'd probably say, okay. No problem, you know, honey. That's great. Yeah, I mean, you if know, he it's feels with a, it's, it's with a bunch for. of Buddhist monks and we're going to pray and burn incense. <clears throat> okay. I mean, he's yeah. going to be fine. Generally speaking, if the wife is really being a good wife right. to him. And some of that is figuring out what it is to be a good wife right. to him. And, you know, I know we're not on that topic, but, you know, every guy in this room, if you ask him what are the top three things, they're going to they're gonna necessarily be different things. You know, one husband values a home-cooked organic meal mm -hmm. more than anything else. I mean, they're, you That's know, there's just... That's not me, okay, by the way. I'm just saying, everybody has a different list. I don't even know what organic means. Well, anyway, so yeah. she needs to know, she needs to know that, if she's doing those top three, he probably doesn't care. But she may not be doing the top three. Right. Or her service has been something, you know, really costly to their family life. So just be shrewd. I think it's the short answer. Hi. Hi. Um, I know that your daughter really likes acting. And if you knew or if she was interested in joining a group through school and you knew that the director... Um, had a sex change. Yeah. 
is that something that you would allow your daughter to be in, to have to be under that leadership if it was like a four-month program to put on a sh you know acting show with a group of kids? It would depend on how that person is impacting my daughter, right? I mean, yeah, these are not new things, and they're becoming more commonplace. My kid's on a baseball team, and the the coach used to be a woman and now's a man and, and you know, hitting, you know, ground balls to, to train him. And I mean, would I not have him on the team? I mean, it would depend on how that, I mean, is he campaigning about my kid's sexuality at practice? You know what I mean? It would depend on how it affects my, my kid. Um, I don't expect the world to live by Christian rules. It'd be good for them if they did because they're going to benefit from that. But it's like people boycotting Disneyland because they have a gay parade there or whatever. I don't, I don't expect them to have Bible club time, you know. This is, a, this is an amusement park. They're in it for profit, and they're worldly. And so, you know, I guess if your conscience stumbles you, then, then, then fine. Your conscience should be your guide. But don't expect people not to avail themselves to an Apple product because the CEO is a homosexual, right? It would depend on how that homosexuality is going to affect my encounter with the product. And if the product is some acting group and the leader is a homosexual, it would depend on how that is going to practically affect my daughter. I mean, my daughter knows what's right and wrong. My daughter, you know, is, is going to be affected in more ways probably in that group long before, well, I shouldn't say, because I don't know what kind of, you know, transgender person this is. I mean, my daughter does like to act, and we've had issues just this year with her in the public school with that, and we've had to, and she's handled it well, even yeah. without our intervention. She's recused she's herself from things going, I can't do it. And she's not the snotty, bratty kind of kid that does it with her nose in the air, making a statement, I can't do this because it's wrong. Right. But she's quietly, mousily said, I, I really can't do that, and come home and told us I had to pass on this play because I can't, I think I'm going to have to sit in the back and work tech. And, and I, I think that's what we want to do in training our children. They know where the lines are that they are not supposed to cross, mm -hmm. not that they don't always cross them, but um, so it would, it would be a conditioned answer on my part. What would you say to that? I probably would have answered it more strongly than you. I, I'm actually surprised, but... Well, see, surprise, surprise. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I obviously think that worldliness is going to affect them, but you can't take them out of the world. You have to help right. them learn right. how to cope with the world that they're now going to be living in. Right. And I would hope that her number one influence in her life is not her drama teacher. Yeah. I mean, better not be. It should be me and her dad and, you know, the person that, you know, Mrs. Dinachenzo that she serves with at the, as an LIT and her small group leader. I mean, you know, there are people that influence them, but there's a lot more people that influence her much more right. than that one person who has that tiny piece of the pie, which she knows is outside the bounds of what God would want. Right. So, yeah. And she's already living with it with teachers at school. See? I mean, it's not just drama. I mean, there's already teachers at school that are doing all kinds of things that our kids know are wrong, as well as coaches. And, and just because it's a conditioned even, answer, right? it depends on how, I mean, it may be she loves this discipline, totally looks up to this person. She can't separate her values from how much she idolizes the leader of the drama team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may yes. say, no, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. Because this person you're going to look up to in a way that's going to have you you know, adopt all of her values and you know the impressionable nature of your kids, so you'd say no. I'm all for saying no, but you just have to have some reasons. 
right? If my kid's on a baseball team and, and this guy used to be a gal and it never affects anything on the team, I got to pull him off the team? You know, it may come a time when it's hard to find a team that doesn't have a transgender coach. I don't know, you know, uh, but, you know, that's the, that's the little league. That's right. the world. I don't expect them to pray before we have games because it's not, they don't love God. And it would be a case-by-case -case basis. Right. I mean, depending on your kid, depending on the person, depending how flamboyant they were about it. And this is the kind of thing I would see us coming to talk about agreeing on. Yep. We would get this on the table. We would talk about it. We would pray about it. We'd probably spend a couple of weeks sorting it out, and then we'd come to a conclusion we both right. felt good on and then deliver the news to our daughter. I thought you were going to promote the Christmas musical. What's that? I thought you were going to promote the Christmas musical. I can do that. Let's, Coming up in September. Let's get all your kids in the Christmas musical. Of course, we would promote the Christmas yes. musical. Yes. I think that's a given. That's a given. Right? Yes. We're pro-compass. <laughs> oh. Hi, guys. Um, my question is, uh, my wife does uh, she, most of the money managing in our family. Yeah. Um, she does a really good job of it. Right. Um, I feel like she probably would do or does a better job than I do. Am yeah. I failing to lead my family by letting, by not trying to take control of our finances more? I think so, but I don't have chapter and verse for you on it, but I do think if you don't take responsibility for the financial solvency of your own home, uh, I think it puts a kind of pressure on your spouse that was not uh, that is not best for the flourishing of your spouse. I know my wife is 10 times better with money than I am, 10 times, 100 times better at math than I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and when we first got married, dude, I don't even remember how to balance a checkbook. Could you do this for us? And she did it. And, and I fell under conviction slowly on this early in our marriage where I thought, you know what? We didn't have any money because I was in ministry and I, they weren't paying me anything. And I was like, it got to where I felt like I was going to my wife to ask if I could buy a Snicker bar, you know? And I felt like, what is this? is weird. This is wrong. This is a, this That's is what a, he thought. This is wrong. You know, I'm trying to study the Bible, be a leader in my home, and I feel like I'm coming to mom to see if I can buy something. <laughs> and, and no matter how much she wanted a partner, you know, I, when she held the purse, it was a... It, it, it created a certain dynamic in our marriage that I finally said, listen, honey, I know you're going to laugh at this, but I really think I need to take over the finances. You're doing a great job, probably better than all do, but I think this is what I should do. I felt conviction that I should do it. I don't know how quickly that happened or how long it took to talk through that, but she finally said, okay, and, and, um, and it was hard for you at first, I'm sure, because I was still asking questions about balancing the checkbook, right. but... Uh, once, and I was having visions of, you know, living under the underpass, yeah, yeah. right, you know. He's going to buy Snicker bars but we've every never two ended hours. Up there. He's going to break us quickly. Yeah. No, but I'll but tell you what, that it was hard. It was really hard for to me. To put but... her trust in her husband yep. for practical things that helped me to man up. Yep. And I had to say, I got to man up now and figure out not only how to add and subtract, but I got to man up and start saving. Yep. I got to man up and start saying we can't afford this. I got to man up and start thinking about when we have kids saving for their college. And I still don't like doing it, but 
I do it, and I've done it for decades now, and I think it allowed my wife to flourish in that area of not worrying about the money in our home. Right. And I'm sure it causes me more stress and consternation than it would cause her, because she's a lot better at that. But I'm grateful to God that I took that over. I'm grateful to God that I feel like there's something dignifying as a man to feel like I'm providing for my family, I'm budgeting for my family, I'm, I'm saving for my family's future, and I think it did nothing but help my marriage. So I can't tell you with any authority from the Word of God, but I can tell you by personal testimony and my opinion that, yes, I think um, there's something lacking in your marriage because your wife uh, is, the, is the CFO. I think, that, I, think that, I think you would do better if you were. And That's I'll, my and opinion. And I'll tell you what, ladies, I know those of you that are doing it, you're thinking, no, don't listen to that. Can we just, like, go back and, like, not have heard the last two minutes? Because my husband's going to say, now he has to do it. And you're internally, you're freaking out. You are sure that this is going to be the demise of your whole family. It's going to just fall apart because of it. Um, when it happened to us, I have to say, I fought... When it happened yeah, to when us. it... Yeah. I didn't I, know it was so traumatic. It was. And you know what? There's women in this room no. that are thinking the same thing. Right. It's so traumatic. Right. I literally, it surfaced a whole bunch of sin in my life, a whole bunch of insecurity and anxiety, both of which were complete and utter disobedience to God, unholiness, ugliness that I had to work through. And uh, he's right. I flourished because I got rid of that, that brought this sin to the surface, and it made me deal with it, because he wasn't going to give it back to me, and I needed to be submissive, so there was another sin I was having a problem with, being unsubmissive, and I had to deal with it, and he's absolutely right. I flourished, because those areas of, of sin and insecurity, uh, you know, were conquered, at least for that moment in our married life, and continue to be conquered. And can't you say, looking back after all these years of your poorly endowed math husband um, that you like it this way a lot oh, better. I love it this yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. It is awesome. Yeah. I mean, especially now that, you know, you're paying for college, it's like, so, honey, what are we going to do? Next year we have two in college. I, I mean, I don't even have to think about that, I really. haven't told her yet they're not going to be able to finish college. Yeah. <laughs> They'll just get to start and then they're on their they own. Do. But They're getting um, started. Yeah. No, but it's such a relief. I can't tell you what a relief it is. And I know some of you don't believe me. Give it a chance. Give it a couple years, few years chance and see if it isn't proved. A few, did it take you a few years? No, 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 but I'm just saying they won't know for sure. You okay. know, it should be faster than that. Absolutely. Okay. But a lot of the ramifications of it and seeing that he's doing a great job, you're going to see over time is what I'm trying to say. And I'm, sure okay. I'm sure there's financial decisions that you didn't agree with, but um, like when I bought the boat, no, I didn't buy the boat. <laughs> but uh, men, seriously, you will curtail some mm. of the things in your life that you may want, I hope, because you feel the responsibility of taking care of your family. That was just good. I just, it was a shift. It came slowly to me early in our marriage. The shift was hard, I'm sure, for my wife, but um, it was really good for me, and I think it was really good for her. So that's, that's our opinion on that. Yeah. Carlin, you have, when you were speaking to the ladies a little bit ago, you mentioned that 
if you don't submit to your husband, you could incur his discipline. I've never heard anything like that before. Could you guys elaborate on that? Wow, right. you haven't? Right. What Ooh. I mean by his discipline is God's discipline. Right. I hope you understood that. <laughs> My husband is not disciplining me. No. Um, or we need to get Pastor Elliot to take yeah, him down yeah, to the yeah, courthouse yeah. or something. But uh, no, my husband is not disciplined. I hope you understood that's God disciplining me. And um, what I meant by that is, you know, uh, God, he, God is very clear in Hebrews 12 that those that are his children, when they are disobedient, that he brings consequences into their lives. And uh, discipline is what it's called in Hebrews right. 12. And when I'm faithfully doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm pleasing the Lord, yeah, I'm going to stumble here and there. Yeah, I might trip a couple times. But my trajectory is I'm trying to do the right thing and follow Christ. Um, it sounds funny, but things go well with that person who does that. And, and a lot of times our trials and our tests, even like James 1 talks about, they're, sometimes they're, those come not just to shape us, but they come because we've disobeyed God. I don't we think that's his question, though. I think his question was, how can you cause me to mess up and then you get disciplined for it? Is that your question? Okay, well, I don't know what the question is. Say, say again. More. Thanks. It was open-ended on, pur on purpose because I, like I, I've never heard of a wife being disciplined by the Lord. submitting. I just well, meant I, that when I do something wrong, God is my father. When I do something wrong, and in that case, it was being unsubmissive to my husband, God sometimes brings consequences that are painful into my life, whether it's, you know, I drop my favorite vase or I get in a, you know. I, you understood that part though, right? Or did well, you think it was I disciplined her? I thought it was you disciplining her. No. Whoa, hey. <laughs> that's why I asked. No. Thank you for asking that question. That was a very important okay. question. Well, that, Good follow that's an easy one to up answer. on the nose there. No, I don't discipline my wife. No, I'm saying, you know. You have a car accident. No, you have your favorite yeah. dress. I mean, those are the kinds of well, we both discipline of the question. Lord. Because I thought you meant, how can she do something that stumbles me and then she gets the penalty for it? And I think that happens all the time in marriage because if I cause my wife to sin and she's disciplined, I'm being disciplined in the spillover of, of God's discipline. In other words, I want my home to be healthy and mm. spiritual and godly. And if I cause anybody in my family to sin, it affects my whole family. Right? So that's what I thought you meant, but we're answering questions you didn't ask. But no, I, I don't discipline my wife, no. So sorry to yeah. lead you astray. That's not what we meant in any way, shape, or form. No. Yeah. Whoop. Go ahead. I think it's over here, so okay. let's go right here. So this is kind of related to discipline, but it's about kids and okay. not your spouse. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We do discipline we, them, by yes. the way. I've heard you, you guys have, I've heard you guys speak before about discipline and learned some great tips. I'm wondering how you balance disciplining your kids, like the carrot versus the stick, yeah. where you find that balance. Oh. Yeah. Mm. I often talk about the, the verbs that are used in Ephesians, and we talk about correction and direction. I do think the primary concept of correction is usually stick and direction is usually carrot. Um, so when they're young, I often talk about it, uh, so much of our corrections when they're young, and that means stick. That means in, in, inflicting a measured amount of pain. Um, carrots are often, the older they get, they start to grow. Now I'm putting the carrot out there like a coach or a boss, and I'm compensating in some way, not financially always, sometimes, 
to encourage and direct my kids. So um, I like to talk about the correction being the discipline and the uh, direction being coaching. And, and so I think there's, you can always have a carrot when they're really little, but most of the time I'm trying to restrain evil in this little heart and I do that through discipline. So it's stick mostly when they're really young and it's carrot the older they get. But you're going to have some of both all the way through. Yeah. Whether it's stickers or good job or I like how you are taking care of yourself. I like how you've already mapped out as you're getting, they're getting older. I, I like how you mapped out your homework and how you're going to do it. I like how you picked the, because I've been training them, I like how you picked that hardest thing to do first when your brain is freshest. Mm-hmm. You know, being complimentary and... Um, helping them to realize you notice that they're being responsible. As they get older, that's more what we're, what we're doing in our lives now, you know. Hey, I know that that was really hard to stay up so late, but look what God did through what you did. Thanks for, you know, giving it your all. I mean, that's more of the carrot that we're doing with our kids now. But yeah. Yeah, there is still is a stick occasionally, you know. Hey, going to have to take that hair straightener away. I just said that today. So, not, um, not to our boys. Yeah. It's a girl thing. I don't think that would be a, a no. physical possibility no. with them, but, you know. So the stick still is there, but yeah. not very much. Yeah. Good. <clears throat> Hi, guys. My question is about um, parents and in-laws mm. and how we should, as a couple, be thinking about our responsibility to our parents and, and to our in-laws, specifically, um, are we obligated to take in um, indigent parents? Um, would, if we were to move for a job, should we not do that because of responsibilities to our parents right. or um, the grandkids would be further away, right. things like that? How should sure. we be thinking through those issues? Well, that's a, that's a spectrum, but I would say the bottom line is I do have a responsibility to care for my aging parents or see that they're cared for, okay? And I think there's a distinction there. Um, I want my, care- my parents to be cared for. I've told my parents that. We've told both of our pet sets of parents that. We wanna tell you, we are committed to you being cared for the older you get, and we don't want you to worry about your care. We're gonna do what it takes to make sure you're cared for. Um, that doesn't give the false impression they're gonna be living down the hall, necessarily. But you know what, if it got to that, we would be willing to do that. But I do think most parents, I would hope your parents and in-laws know that they want your life to flourish. They want you to be what God has called you to be. And I wouldn't think that a couple should say, well, we're not going to move to Phoenix or Hmm. Minneapolis because they won't be near their grandkids. I would hope that your grandparents, even though selfishly may want to have you nearby, really want you to do what God has called you to do. And, uh, but some don't. I, but some don't. But I would assume, I would want to appeal. I mean, you know, some don't. I'd want to appeal to that and say, no, I don't think it's a good rule just because a grandparent says, I want to be near my grandkids so you can't move. It's much like me disagreeing with my wife and saying, I really think I fear God enough to not pass on path A because I just want to please you. You may have to displease your in-laws or your parents by doing what you know before God is good stewardship in your life. Uh, which includes moving away for a job, perhaps. Uh, but I do think at some point, particularly in our age, our parents are all, all still alive but getting older, uh, I do think the older they get and you see them becoming 
uh, frail and, and whatever, you, you do want to look them in the eye and have those conversations. We don't have it every time we see them, but we want to make, yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> we know you got a foot in the grave. We're going to take care of you. No, but we have had those serious conversations with them uh, and said, we're, we're, we're committed to you and we don't want you to worry about your care. We're going to do whatever it takes to care for you. So I think that's our biblical responsibility according to 1 Timothy. So yeah. And that doesn't mean they always get what they, they're always going to get what they want. Right. Do you know what I mean? The kind yeah. of care that they want. I mean, you know. Depending on how selfish your parents on, yeah, and in-laws yeah, are. Who knows? Right. I mean, we have different kinds of parents. So it's well, let me put Very it this different. way. Would you want your kids to not take a job because they felt like they couldn't move more than 500 miles away from you? I would hope you'd say, no, I'm raising my kids so they can go out in the world and do what they're supposed to do in life. Well, they I have to move so, across the country. That's what, you, if that's how you view your kids, you got to try to appeal to your parents and in-laws to find that in their heart and then say, listen, we're going to get back as often as we can and we're going to fly you out as often, you know, but Yeah. So yes to the first, you've got to care for your, your parents or make sure they are cared for, but I would say it's uh, got to be a measured kind of case-by-case uh, case on what they want. So that's a hard one, though. Yeah. Okay. First one was not as um, uh, weighty as this one. Okay, I had a young lady ask me um, if uh, there's a married couple and... Um, the wife gets pregnant. They weren't ha planning on having children. The husband had said, we don't, he doesn't want children. And she got pregnant, and he wanted her to have an abortion. So that was an easy one for me to direct her to the Bible to right. say, in that case, she, does, you know, she doesn't right. submit to her husband. Right. right. And, and my then, standard response to that is, when anybody ever tells you to get an abortion, which they've told us to have an abortion when, when right. Stephanie was, you know, I, say, I always say, we're going to try it out for six months, and if it doesn't work out, we'll kill her then. <laughs> that's my standard right. response. And that's what I would tell the wife, tell her husband. Right. Well, we're going to try it out. It doesn't work. Yeah. We'll, we'll kill her. And this is someone who's not married. She's a young lady. Yeah. And, um, I, I hope that shows yeah. the absurdity yeah. of the abortion argument, right? Yeah. What's the okay. difference? They're still small. I can still right. kill them pretty easily, right? <laughs> Anyway, it makes me angry because this is where our country is right now. You have intellectuals, Harvard, Yale, they think they're so smart, but they're willing to kill a child simply because they don't know the child. It's absurd. I need to always posit it that way to show how evil you are to recommend that I kill a human life. I will not do it. And it's as absurd as me saying, we'll wait till they're in the first grade. If they've been a hassle, we'll kill them. Oh, no, well, then what's the difference? We'll know them? Whatever, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, now I'm yeah, but she added a piece of information here. They're not married. Well, this is a, a young lady who's not even at the age to be married. Okay. But she asked me and this question. And that was all set up to say that was an easy one for you. Now you're going to get to a harder okay. one. Okay. Okay. Here's so, the weighty one. Yeah. Right. This Here's is the, the one, one where I asked my husband, I'm like, I don't know. I, I told her, I, I, I need to get back to you on this one. All right. So she said the next step is she has the baby. Yes. And they're married, obviously. Um, she has the baby, and the husband says, I want you to give this child up for adoption. Right. What should this she do? This is a different couple now. This is the same. Well, this is a, this is okay, a wait, wait. child, a young lady, asking me this question. She, she married the guy. Well, she's, no, she's not even old enough to be married this yet. This is just the asker. She's just thinking through this in her mind, and she came to me and oh, said... Oh, this is just, all hypothetical. This isn't real. Yes. 
Tell her not to have okay. sex. Yeah, this is. <laughs> I mean, it's just cut well, right to I it, mean, right? Well, the thing is, a hypothetical. I mean, we could go to a million hypotheticals. Right. I mean, seriously, that's absurd to keep going on yeah. hypotheticals. I mean, yeah. so she wanted to know: yeah. Does she need to submit to her husband and give the child up for adoption, or should she? So it was a question that I told her I, I needed to pray about that, and I consulted with my husband. Yeah. I consulted with other I, women. I, I a lot of questions, I think, are they're a buffer to keep people away from the gospel. The real issue. The real issues. And those aren't the real issues for her. There's another issue. And I always like to find out when I can, what's the real question? Yeah, why and are that you asking That ain't this? the real question. Yeah. Okay. If the real question is why do men get to be in charge in the home, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. But you know, now you're going to create some weird hypothetical about that. And I, I'd say, listen, if my husband and I'm a young wife and I'm married and we got pregnant and my husband says, I really think we should give this up for adoption, maybe there's a reason for us to sit down and discuss that. And maybe we should. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a caring, supplied, well you know, cared for home that is going to take this child and give this child a fantastic life. Adoption is fantastic. Let's do that. Um, but basically, you're, you're hypoth in this hypothetical, creating this you know, showdown, and I don't want to, and he does. Listen, if you get to that, call me. That's what I would tell the gal. Until then, what's the real issue for you? You don't like male headship in the home? Right. Well, let's talk about that. I don't like a lot of things in the world, but this is how God set things up, so tough it out. And this is another reason why we should be encouraging them to marry someone that they would be willing to submit to their yep. leadership. Pick a good leader. I mean, she obviously, I mean, I know this is all hypothetical, but this girl should obviously not be entertaining marrying a man that she's not willing to submit to their leadership anyway. Right. All right. Hypothetically. That's the best we can do. <laughs> There's our hypothetical answer. This, well, okay. um, this is a historic and unprecedented political season, yes. obviously. Um, and the whole country, not to mention the Christian evangelical community, is very yeah. deeply divided yeah. on the field of candidates. Yes. So my question is, what are your thoughts on those choosing pragmatism over principle? Right. For one thing. And secondly, getting back to the submission theme, uh, your thoughts on submitting to a leader maybe you didn't necessarily vote for or yeah. you disagree with. Yeah. Thank you. Christians have been doing that from the very beginning. When Peter said to honor the king, the king was Nero, one of the worst ever, homosexual, killing Christians. You had emperors like Diocletian that were killing, you know, Christians and persecuting. I mean, yeah, this is nothing new. We have to submit to leaders that we don't agree with. We have to submit to wicked leaders. Um, we will not submit to them when they call us to do something that would expressly make me disobey God. And that's when we say, you figure it out for yourself. Is it right for me to obey you or God? But, you know, pragmatism, principle, all that. Listen, this is a lot of bloviating on theoreticals. Your vote isn't going to matter. All these Facebook posts, whatever. You know, Diocletian, Nero, who's going to be the next emperor? I don't know. And it's not that I'm disconnecting myself from all this, but I'm getting weary of all the discussion about we can't vote for him because he, you know, whatever. My vote, even though I'm all about voting and I voted every, I voted at every election from the time we were Christians, I think. I'm going to vote. But you know what? I, 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 we have an inflated view of ourselves to sit around and, and be pontificating about principle and pragmatism, uh, you know, 
listen, you're going to have a couple names on the ballot that end up with, and, and there's uh, going to be a couple of viable options. Pick the best one. Uh, if, if your kid had a baseball team and there were, like, your pastor was, could be the coach, but he's pulled out and been shot in the head or whatever, so he's not in the running. And I got two, two you know, beer-gutted losers, but you know what? I, one has to be my kid's coach. I got to pick one. Are you going to vote principle or, or pragmatism? Your kid needs a coach, and there's going to be a coach, and you got two guys. You're not excited about either one of them. I assume you're not going to go, oh, I ain't going to vote. I mean, I don't know. I, I think at some point you're going to vote, and you're going to vote. And, and I know I'm going against the grain of every celebrity preacher on Facebook today. I get that. And they're all going to tell me, you know, I, I'm a pragmatist. But, but the bottom line is this country is getting what this country deserves, okay? This is not what God allowed to happen. This is what God is causing to happen. You want to say screw you to God for the last 50 years? God's going to go, okay, here you go. The Republican Party didn't even know what they're doing. Trump's on a stage tonight bloviating about what he blow. He's a seventh grader. I understand that. I don't like him. But you've got a guy that's put there because America earned him, really, mm -hmm. right? And, and you can sit around in your little enclave thinking, oh, you know, no, we don't. We pray. And we... Listen, this country mm -hmm. is a mess. You got Clinton and Trump is what this is going to come down to, right? And, and so you're going to sit there and do what? You're going to be Glenn Beck, right, and go, I'm not going to vote anybody but Whatever. You can do whatever you want because, you know, in the end, it isn't really going to matter. We're going to get Diocletian or Nero. Pick one um, or don't pick one, right? So that's where we're at. And if you wonder why the world's the way it is, why don't you start looking around at our culture and recognizing everyone who's saying to God to go fly a kite? And God has said, okay, fine. Here's some people to lead you. And that's what we got. So I, I, I know I'm out on a limb here. I was talking with our pastors at our pastor's meeting this week a little bit about this. I know every celebrity pastor is going out there and, and, and doing their thing. And I'm just not jumping on the bandwagon because, yeah. Because <laughs> that's how I feel about it. So anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. That's probably not the principled view you wanted to, to get for, from me, but there you go. <laughs> I'm actually going to be on the same question. Should husbands and wives vote the same way? I would think or it's, should it be something that is independent? Well, I would wonder why my wife is going to vote differently than me, you know? I mean, there came a time when we would independently go through that voting guide and do it, and then after a while, my wife goes, I don't even want to read this anymore. Can you just tell me who I'm supposed to vote for? Um, that's a little too much information That's there, too much honey. Information. <laughs> okay, now how many of you have the same exact right, thought, right, right. right? And so I, I do, and all the time feeling like. Or this how many last... people want his vote ballot, right? Right. He, whatever. There you go. I, I'm going to try to vote his... as principally as I can, knowing my vote in the end isn't going to probably make a whole lot of difference. But I'm going to vote. And I'm going to vote as best I can, but I am going to vote in the end for viable options. And if my wife wants to sit there and go, I ain't going to vote for that because it's going to violate my conscience, great. I don't have a problem with that. Vote for whoever you want, right? But I, I would wonder why we're not on the same page on this. And if it's some, you know, measure M or whatever, right. then, I mean, 
It's the water district right. something or yeah. whatever. <laughs> that, those are the ones you want me to figure <laughs> out for know, you, right? I know, that's exactly right. I know who the big guys are, Sometimes I'm there at the kitchen the, table just flipping quarters and figuring it out. It's like, what is this whatever mean? No, but I don't think a husband and wife have to vote exactly the same. But I would, want, I would wonder why, what the why. Why you wouldn't want yeah. their leadership. Or, or why you have a different view. I, I would want to get that on the table. But if you're talking about, like, for the presidency, is that what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. I would hope we could agree on the president. Yes, but they're talking, you know, the water district. So. Yeah. Well, we and have I don't some, think we that have some guys from our church that always run for the water yeah, district. Yeah, and so. I don't think that that would. But I vote for I our compass guy. I don't think that would be a deal breaker. Yeah. I don't think that would be it caused no. marital stress that if we even, did it. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. Be like, oh, okay. And I try to leave that voter guide out to show her what I thought through and who I circled. And you may go and vote for all the opposite people for all I know. <laughs> I no? don't. You don't? Okay. <laughs> Right. You really think that? No, I don't. No, know. you don't think that. I don't know. You just mess. You do with vote them. though, right? I do vote. Yeah, okay, good, good. Yeah, we try to make sure we vote. Where are we at? Right here. Oh, right here. So how do you guys address sin with each other, especially when one of you guys are struggling with something in particular? It's hmm. a good in question. In pointing it out, or confessing <clears throat> it? Confessing it, sanctifying each other, addressing it. Yeah. It's hard because there's a variety of issues there. I mean, sometimes we'll, um, I don't know. I mean, there's some things that we may come to at a different point, whether it's walking out of a movie or not watching a show or, you know, those are things that, you know, we may get to at a different point. But whenever the lesser of us gets to the place, in other words, the first one to get to a place that I don't think we should do yeah. this, then we both say we're not going to do this. Even if my conscience would allow me to continue to read this, watch this, go to that. We're, we're going we're gonna to take it, which I think is biblical, the lowest, most sensitive conscience to dictate for, for both of us. So that's, that's the case. Because uh, there are things, you know, that, that's a very practical thing. When I see my wife doing something that I think is sinful, um, you know, I, I guess what I want to do is set the stage carefully and, uh, and address it gently. And, and, I mean, that's just wise, right? This is, this is, with anyone, I would do that. But, mm. uh, and she does the same for me. You know, she preaches about the Esther banquet. When she sees something in my life that needs to be addressed, you know, it's usually, you know, at a carefully, you know, at a date night or something where we're not, where I'm not just walking in the door and she'll address that. Um, so I guess confronting each other, very gentle, very careful, very measured, very cautious, um, does that cover, what else what might be a yeah, part of that? I, I was just going to say, I don't think that, it sounds funny, I guess, but I don't think we do that very often, only because I think God reveals stuff to us and we, you know, we are confessing it with Him and we might confess it to each other as we're working on it with God. I don't think, I mean, it's not that we would be against correcting each other. I, I would just say that I don't think we, I don't think that's a normal thing that we do all the time. I think we're both, um, and I'm not saying we're perfect because we certainly aren't, but I think we're Sounds both like you're about on to a say trajectory of finding our own sin. Right. No, that's true. Um, whether it's through, which is kind of funny, whether it's through a sermon that the pastor preaches or um, a small group or whatever. I hate whatever. it when she quotes my own sermons to me. Um, that's the worst. Yeah. 
It does happen, and she'll say, I've heard a certain preacher say. Yeah. But I think that, you know, we're both learning from the Lord. And so when that discussion comes up in our marriage, just if you're asking us specifically, I don't think we're normally correcting each other. I think... But we do. We do sometimes. But I can tell you for myself... If I feel like I need to correct them on something, I actually don't correct them. I make a decision, a conscious decision not to most of the time. I mean, occasionally I'll do an Esther banquet, but most of the time I start praying about it. And I start praying that whether it's the DBR or his week's sermon or one of his pastors or someone or somehow a worship song, something God directs somehow to show him something that I think might need to be addressed. But in the moment, I can think of some last week where she'll say, I don't think it's the time or the place to talk about this. And, and I don't think, you know, that'll be an instant okay. correction where we're talking. I guess I didn't think of that as a correction. But, but I mean, I, I thought you were thinking uh, something I felt bigger. corrected at that moment. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's something where my wife is able to say it and she's good to be able to say it calmly, but to say, this is not what you should be talking about right now. Uh, wrong place, wrong time. And, and, you know, it doesn't always feel good when you're in the midst of ramping up into some conversation right. and, and you know you're hot on that topic. And, and right. she says, not now. But she, yeah, I can think of correction going minimal. back and forth. I mean, minimal. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were talking about something major. Give me more on that big. question. What are, you, what are you thinking about? Well, for example, you know, uh, if you lost your cool, yeah. you got angry, yeah. and it started to become a little more habitual. Um, you know, I'm just using an example. Not, yeah. not I, would, I would pray a lot right. about that thing. And usually God brings that about. And you know what? It's funny because after so many years together, almost 35 now, um, I know when she's praying about stuff in my life. I sense it. Not that it's clairvoyant, but I can see that when I'm doing something, she goes, she, I There's know her face is. I can I see it. Know. It's like, okay, she's narking me on this right now. She didn't have to say anything. <laughs> And I, I bet a lot of you have that. You feel that, right? And she didn't have to say a word. Um, or when there, you know, the opposite happens. When there's a little hint of something that I have been praying for, being quick to notice it, care about it. it you're not doing that to manipulate. You're doing that to, to, to foster obedience. You do that with your kids, too. If there's even a flicker of them doing something they're supposed to, you jump on that. And you go, hey, that was so great when you did that. Wow, way to go. Same thing, encouraging that and cheering that on. And that's a way to bring about correction without going, hey, shouldn't be doing that. Right, because for her, it's never that way. When I, like, say I'm losing my cool more often than I should, which probably is not very, shouldn't happen very much at all. But she may say, when I'm not in the middle of it, sure seems like you've been stressed a lot lately. What is, you know, what's going on? Yeah, that's, not in the moment. You don't say that in but, the moment. But that's, well, sometimes it has to be said in the moment. Okay, but most of the time. Thinking about in Texas when we had that conversation where you said, now's not the time for us to talk about that. Do you remember what I I'm talking about? I don't remember when oh, I had boy, said I that. that. I remember saying it, but what were we talking about? When were we doing I that? I don't want to talk about oh. it. Oh. <laughs> okay, in Texas, it's not historical because that was like last week. Last week. So, Okay. I remember saying it. I just don't remember what I said it about. Well, oh, yes. Now I remember what I said it about. Yeah. Well. Because I can remember what I was wearing. I remember where we were. I remember what time it was. When you well, shut me down. Yeah. But was I? No, you were. You were right. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, it's good to do those kinds of things. And in this case, 
it's good to do those kinds of things in a private place. Huh. And the reason I yeah. said it is because it was a public place. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't remember this. I know. Yes. See, you got me on this thing. Right, right. And I could see people were watching us. Yeah. And so it was a matter of, okay, we need to have this conversation where there's no one watching us. Right? right? So Your anyway. veins start to pop out in your neck. Did I say that? No, you didn't, but I, I know was thinking, what, thinking. did I say that? Wow, that no. was rude. No, no. no. No, you didn't say it, but I knew you were thinking that. Well, but, I, I think that doesn't happen that often. But here's a summation of the principle. More. If it needs to be corrected at the spot, I can see that being done, but it's always done calmly. Mm. And if it's a pattern, it's between the incidents where she'll interject and say, what's going on? You seem uptight. You seem like this is, you know, a season that's not working out for you. What's going on? So, but that brings up a whole nother thing, which needs to be said at the other side of what you're talking about. And that is that as married people, as married women, you guys need to get really good at letting things go and forgetting about them. Cause this should not be an issue here. I, I didn't even remember what you were talking about, but I'm granted, glad. I was the one who was doing the correcting at yeah, that moment. Right. So that's probably why I don't remember it. I might remember it if he was doing that to me, but we need to be really good ladies. Cause we're the ones who have a problem with this. So I can say this to you. We need to be really good at letting the stuff go. Two guys, we just were having this conversation this week. Two guys that have issues between them. Oh, yeah. They just, you know, punch each other in the arm. It's, it's over. They don't even remember what happened last week. What do you mean you're talking? I don't know that I did that. But women, they just hang on and hang on and hang on. You shouldn't remember. You should let those things go, ladies, and forgive and let it just go away. It That's doesn't matter. Principle. Yeah, almost every marriage retreat I've preached, I've at least, almost everyone had one message on forgiveness because if we don't learn to forgive well, we're two fallen people, sinful people, sinful world, you know, fatigued and tired. We, we just need to learn to forgive each other. And if you're not learning to forgive each other, your marriage isn't going to go well. Yeah. All right. Yes. Hi. 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 So part of this was often I'll see where there's, and you touched on it, it's the pattern, where it was, if it's a pattern of sin. And so let's say, for example, someone's lying, someone's, you know, they're doing something repeatedly and is claiming to be a Christian. Yeah. And that's where I think it's hard. And we'll often go into, we'll just be gentle or be this or right. try to be quiet and, and like that it'll, we'll fix it. Carlin, you talked about praying. But sometimes when it's there's more consequence behind that pattern of sin where she's feeling right. or the, both of them are being affected by that. Right. That's really what I thought about when he had asked the question because I see that often in the counseling office where well, it's a, just a, it's a little bit, again, it's not like once in a blue moon. Right. It might be a pattern. So I, Part of what I want to, and I don't know the circumstances of what you have in mind, but part of what I always want to do is get your expectation realistic about marriage. Your marriage isn't going to be everything you want it to be. Your life isn't going to be everything you want it to be. You can't have what you imagine other people have because they don't even have what you imagine they have. So stop thinking about that that way. And I know you've got a cross to bear. You know, my, my daughter, she's at the age now with, you know, her paralysis and everything. I, I try to sit with her, you know, not very often, but periodically, and just remind her, you know, you got issues, everyone's got issues. Everyone's life is not what they want it to be. Um, so we accept the cross God gives us, we bear it. So it may be that my wife's got some problem that's going to affect us, and it's chronic, and, you know, I'll do what I can to correct it. I'll pray, and, and if it can't be fixed, it can't be fixed. 
I'm living with an imperfect person in an imperfect world. I'm waiting for the perfect to come. And you know what? I'm not going to sit around and cry about what I don't have. I, and, and I don't want my daughter to. I don't want my wife to. I'm, I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. We don't have a perfect church. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we're trying to live with the imperfect. And, and I, so I know that doesn't, I mean, if your husband's a, you know, a serial killer or whatever, that, that's not the right answer, right? Just live with it. But, um, no, but, but it, there it are things weird. you got to learn to live with. Yeah, and it's a weird thing if the wife is...